0: If you are going to die right now, what do you think? Do you think that you would be with God in heaven? Or are you not quite sure? That question is asked enough times where when the the obvious is there, you know, would you go to heaven? People are looking at it as going, oh, wow. Well, I'd like to think so. And some would say, well, you know, I'm not God. I can't judge. The obvious answer that we want to say is, of course, absolutely. But there are a lot of brethren that that are hesitant when they have this question posed to them. And then when you ask them a follow-up question, like, well, how do you know that, you know, you don't know? Or how do you know whether you're sure or you're not sure? I mean, where do you get your answers from? And again, we know the obvious answers to these questions because when we open our Bibles, it seems so easy. It seems easy that we can look at questions and answer them from the Word of God. We can go to like Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 as well. Be faithful unto death and you will receive the crown of life. So if I am faithful, yes, I'll be with God in heaven. So are you going to go to heaven? I don't know. And it becomes a very serious question that That brethren have, brothers and sisters in Christ, that I've met over the years, do not have a joyful, resounding, absolutely. You don't hear it too much. And we don't hear it too much because we have this, are we perfect? And we all know the answer to that, right? I'm the only oh sorry. (laughs) That's what my mom thought of me because of the way I presented myself before her. We know we're not perfect. And yet we read these Bible passages and we say, well, that's so easy. We know that if we are faithful to God, we know that Jesus died for us, and we know that we can be with Him in heaven. And, you know, when it comes to, like, the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, well, he was an apostle, so he doesn't count. He was given divine inspiration, we are told. Well, was it on every aspect of his life? That He is one of the lucky few that because he was divinely inspired, where we have letters written from Paul, That we can say, well, easy for him. He should know that he was going to be faithful to God. And when he said I was being poured out as a drink offering, that he had fought the good fight of faith. But I am not given under divine inspiration, so therefore, I don't know if I could be so bold like he could. Brethren, I hope that's not the way you think. If you do think that way, I'm hoping that we can look at our lives and see that it's not so difficult to know. I mean, to be assured and have confidence through God's Word, through His promises that we are saved or that we are lost. I want us to be able to be sure. And so the obvious then is why is that? You know, why is it that we don't have that kind of assurance? And I do believe it to stem from the teachings that brothers and sisters in Christ have had over the years of this Misunderstanding of the word perfect. And it affects the way we are. I gave you an illustration a few weeks ago of a brother in Christ who was a part of the congregation in Texas, whereupon the brethren there knew for a fact that this brother was going to heaven. He was going to be with his Lord because that brother said Amen and died after leading the prayer. That's the most unfortunate way of looking at it. What if he did say Amen? And was lost. We think that because of that prayer and asking God's forgiveness, that instantaneous, that all of a sudden, that that in and of itself, and I mean it in and of itself, not because of other factors, that that means you're going to be saved. There's so much more for us to to know, I believe, in, in looking at this difference, this contrast of perfection. And so when we talk about this, are we perfect or are we perfected, we know the obvious. We know the Scriptures tell us that our God is perfect. When you look at the name God, it implies such. I mean, there's Elohim, and you have Jehovah. And with, with Elohim is this word that means powerful, because He is our Creator. He made all things. Well, you can imagine that if the Creator made us, He is the standard. And thus, from that standpoint, He is perfect. Or by virtue of His name, Jehovah implies His deity and that He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is all-understanding, if you will, all-present and we know that our God is perfect and we're told in, in James chapter 1 that He is the perfect because He gives us all perfect gifts. And in Him there is no variation. We know that that's the case. And we obviously know that we're not perfect. I mean, That's why we need a Savior, right? Stop and consider that if I were to ask any person of any sound mind, knowing that there is a God, he would say, God is perfect and I am not. He is holy and I am not. Not without Jesus. What's not so obvious is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. When after saying, as was read for us, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's what messes with our minds. I believe we have a difficult time looking at a passage like Matthew 5 verse 48 because what we do is we want to look at things from a, maybe a literal standpoint or maybe from a word choice that has changed over the years in how we use that word today versus how it was used maybe 150 years ago, two 300 years ago. Or more importantly how it was used by the Jews and by the Greeks in the first century. And so that's our challenge for us this morning. We want to be able to know the difference between such. And so if we were to ask ourselves, can we be perfect? This is a debate among brethren. Hasn't this debate been going on for decades among generations, the last two generations in particular? You have this debate among brethren, among gospel preachers. They like to, they like to talk. Some say, well, we are perfect through Jesus and that we continue in perfection through Him. And others are saying, no, we're not. And so you get this continual cleansing debate. I don't know if you've ever heard of that phrase that way. But that's a debate among so many. And so the question is, well, can we be perfect? How would you answer that question? Would you answer the question that we can be perfect? Because if we were to break it down into like five seconds, for five seconds, can you be perfect? I would like to say yes. How about ten? I mean, see where we can go with this, right? Eventually, however, if we look at our lives from a practical standpoint, do we live perfectly? We don't. This morning... Did you have a thought that you wish you could just have that exit, not been part of your life? Or maybe this past week, maybe it was not just a thought, but a word. Or maybe it was an action. Whatever it was, you look back and say, hmm, messed up. Remember Richard Terry, Wednesday night, he gave the invitation. And he was going through Romans chapter 7. And when you go through Romans chapter 7, you look at that text and here's a person who knows the law. He says, I speak to those who know the law. And he gives the illustration of the marriage covenant. And then he goes on talking about how he would not have known covetousness except through the law. But when he began to understand what covetousness was, what then became of his life? He had all kinds of temptation regarding coveting. And then he goes on to say, you know, the things that I knew that I despised, up doing those things. The things that he wanted to do, why didn't I do that? And he finishes off in Romans chapter 7 and verse 24, before you get into verse 25, and he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this bondage of sin, this body of death? Who's going to deliver me? Because I love the Lord and I love His Word, sometimes I just don't do it, even though I want to. Well, when we get back to this question, can we be perfect, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, when you read it in your New King James translation or your New American Standard or whatever translation, modern translation you have, more than uh, typical will be the use of the word perfect. You probably don't have another word. If you do, it might be helpful for you in this particular case. And so, here we are. He says, therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Jesus said it. Must be true, it's possible. That's one of the the answers. Or, maybe his use of perfect needs to be understood in a different way than we're used to among so many brothers and sisters in Christ today. Maybe we need to understand it in a manner that that Jesus meant. That I believe Jesus meant. Uh, If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't teach it. And I believe that's the case. I believe this latter is a situation. And so we're going to try and answer, can we be perfect? Well, look at Romans chapter 3. We'll look at the obvious and then the not so obvious. Romans chapter 3. Now, mind you, in in Paul's letter to the brethren at Rome, he is wanting them to understand that every single person, whether they be Gentiles or whether they be Jews, every single one, those that had the law and those who did not have the law, those who had that revelation, if you will, that was given in such a manner as through Moses, or those who did not. What was the conclusion of these individuals? And we're told, beginning in verse 1, what advantage then does the, the Jew have over the Gentile? What profit is there of circumcision? He says much in every way. Chiefly because to them, to the Jews, were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true and every man a liar. As it is written that you may be justified in your words and you may overcome when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what what shall we say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? I speak as a man. Certainly not. For then how will God judge the world? For if the truth of God is increased through my lie to His glory, why am I also still judged judge as a sinner? And why not say, let us do evil that good may come? As we are slanderously reported, and as some have affirmed, their condemnation is in fact just. Now look at what he says in verse 9. But then, are we, Jews, Better than they, those Gentiles? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks, that is, Jews and non-Jews, that they are all under sin. And as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Not a single person righteous. The Bible clearly teaches that all have been guilty of sin. That's obvious. What's also obvious is that because of who God is, He is holy, He is perfect, He is righteous. And so we have this great chasm between us. We understand that. Sometimes we get into our theories. We get into the, not so much the the application, the practical, the day-to-day life, but we get into the what-ifs. We get into hypotheticals. And via the hypotheticals, we're saying, well, you know, a person can be perfect. After they've been being a Christian, they should know, be able to, what to do. Well, first of all, when Jesus spoke that, who was he speaking to? Is that Sermon on the Mount, right? He's speaking to disciples, and he's speaking to unbelievers, who happen to be the most knowledgeable among the Jews. See, have Pharisees. Remember what he told his disciples in front of the Pharisees? Look at verse 19 and 20. Your righteousness needs to exceed those of the Pharisees. And he's saying to them, you need to be perfect. So after then, someone, if we were to now come back to our modern day question, after someone obeys the gospel, the blood of Jesus has saved them. Can they still be guilty of sin? Well, we know they can be. The question is, will they be? From a practical standpoint, can a person be perfect after having received the blood of Jesus? You know, we don't live in five second intervals. We live. We don't typically obey the gospel and die. That's just not practical what happens in our lives. So when we ask this question, ask it from a practical standpoint. Can we be perfect? And I would like to say, even though this is not good for us from a, I guess, just from a debate standpoint, it's not good for us. I wish we could all say, yes, we could be perfect from now to our dying day. We could be. We needed the Lord before we were saved, right? And after having been saved by the blood of Jesus, do we still need the Lord? You better believe it. You better believe that every day... Do we not sing a song, I need thee every hour? Or is it just a song to sing to fill up time? We need Him because we're not perfect. Even though we may be in Christ Jesus, there are times when we may be guilty of sin. Well, that's exactly why John writes his letter in First John. Look at what he says there. And I know this is part of that, that continual cleansing debate that goes among, goes among so many gospel preachers and they go back and forth over, you know, how is it that we are cleansed, you know, through the blood of Jesus. Well, look at what John says. I know this is nothing new for for most of us here. Beginning in verse 5, he says, this is the message which we have heard from Him, from, from our Savior, if you will, and declared to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Interestingly enough, is it... Are we talking about God Himself, or are we talking about those who are in Him? Chew on that for a while. He goes on to say then, in verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with Him, that is, we are those who are in Him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Here's someone who has a lifestyle of sin. This is the way they live. They are walking in darkness. They lie if they say they have fellowship with God. That's exactly what was condemned by Paul to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 3 and again in Romans chapter 6 verse 1. But he goes on to say, in verse 7 again, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Who is this speaking of? Those who have not yet received Salvation or those who have? Obviously, it's those who have. We're talking about those who are walking in the light. Those who have fellowship with God, and you cannot have fellowship with God, with Him, apart from the blood of Jesus. But having the blood of Jesus now, are you walking in Him? Are you walking in the light? Do you have fellowship with God? And so what this passage implies, I believe very clear, clearly, is the fact that we can sin and do sin, but we have salvation, by virtue of the fact that His Son cleanses us from all sin. This is not someone who is walking in darkness. This is someone who's walking in the light, but may be guilty of sin at some point. That's what he's talking about. So this if, then, when you go to Romans chapter 7, and you look at the person who wants to do the will of God but doesn't, or doesn't want to sin but does, this it doesn't necessarily imply in First John one verse seven. Perfection. That walking in the light is, it's kind of like I forgot what game you used to play once, Hokey Pokey. Where it, it, that's not our walk with the Lord. You're not an in and out, in and out, in and out relationship with Him. Where is the confidence in that? And what happens when you sin and didn't even realize it? What happens, brethren, is that we focus too much on ourselves. Faith is essential. That's clear. And we'll look at many passages that talk about our need to be faithful to God unto death. But our salvation doesn't rest in my perfect walk because I don't have one. It rests in the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin because we walk with Him. We want to serve Him. We want to be faithful to Him. And so what's happening is the fact that it is God who saved us, and that means that God is the one who's perfected us. He's brought us to salvation, salvation so that we can stand before Him. And that as we walk, there are going to be times when we, we give in to sin. That's what happens. And you know, it just sounds so bad when we say it that way because it almost sounds like, well, then... You're negating the very blood of Jesus, or you're negating your, excuse me, your particular faith. That's not what I'm saying at all. I mean, what what does faith manifest itself like? It's fruit of righteousness. That when I am long-suffering and patient and kind and merciful and forgiving... And that when I sin, I ask God to forgive me of my sins. I know that He will. He knows my heart. His grace is greater than my sin. So that, that if we are walking in the light does not imply necessarily a perfect walk. What He's saying is, in that if statement, it's gonna happen at some point. When it happens, this. That if is used in other contexts, like if you sin, you're going to sin at some point. If you walk in the light, you are walking in the light. You will be walking in the light. doesn't have to say if. When you're walking in the light, you have fellowship with God. When you're walking in darkness, you're lost. There's no doubt about it. You are lost when you're walking in darkness. The question is, when am I walking in darkness? Well, that's for another sermon. We're talking about, are we perfect? <laughs> and so we need to answer that question. The thing is, I believe that we ought to be walking in the light. That's clear as day. And the Scriptures tell us we don't use the blood of our Savior as a license to sin. I've known too many people who do that. There was a brother in Christ when I was living in Kansas City. Well, Jesus says, I want to sow my wild oats. That's, you talk about that's walking in darkness. We're told in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. You heard of Gnosticism, right? Yeah, the Gnostics that believed the flesh was defiled and only the heavenly places were pure. But because we live in the flesh, it's okay. Because that's different than the spirit. The flesh has nothing to do with the Spirit. And so they have this belief incorporated into their walk of, quote-unquote, Christianity. I can go on sinning and here's the grace of God cleansing me from sin. He says, I write that you may not sin. And if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You suppose maybe brethren might have had the same question in the first century? It's possible. possible. Obviously, we cannot be perfect. We are not perfect. But we are perfected. We know that it comes through the blood of our Savior, and we know that it comes if we walk in the light. When you obey the gospel call, when you have turned to the Lord and believed on Jesus that He is the Christ, He is the Savior of this world, that He rose from the dead, and that it was for me, for my sins, and I call upon His name, and I'm baptized in Christ to have those sins washed away, Is that the gift that that God was talking about, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes on Him shall not perish but have everlasting life? Is that the gift of God that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2, as we are talking about in our Bible class this morning, verses 8 through 10? Is that the gift that we cannot boast about because it was all on God's end from a grace standpoint? Yes, we have been saved by grace through faith. But it was this gift. And if we walk in the light, we know then that we're walking in righteousness. We're walking in the standard that God has given to us. So we bear fruit. And can read of that in Galatians chapter 5. We can see that as we bear fruit before our God that we have fellowship with Him. In fact, I want you to look at Ephesians 5 and note this text that is given this idea of perfection. Paul says in, beginning in verse 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. These are people who walk in darkness. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were once darkness. But now you are light in in the Lord. You walk in the Lord. You're because you're children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all things, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So, if we're walking in the light, it is synonymous to living a life of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Do you suppose that, that there are individuals that live this way that have been guilty of sin? Because so there's a whole lot of Old Testament examples that we can go through. of People that God says were faithful, like Noah. I can think of his sin. David, I can think of his sins. I can think of Moses. There's many individuals that we could talk about. But they walked in the light. There are those who are recorded in Hebrews 11 as those who, if you will, walk in the light. They bear fruit unto God. These are the individuals then that were presented perfect. And as a result of being presented perfect, just as Paul says to the brethren at Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1, it's a result of that that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Brethren, let me ask you this question. Do you love the Lord? I mean, you answer for yourself, sincerely, do you love the Lord? I hope so. I would answer yes for myself. Do you try to serve the Lord? Genuinely try, but you fail from that time, time to time, but you try to serve the Lord. You try to serve Him in the workplace. You try to honor Him in your own family. You try to exalt His name among your neighbors. You try to reach the gospel out to those in the world. And you know what? You may do it very imperfectly, I should say. Lacking on those things that you want to do. Doing things you hate. It's not your lifestyle. It's not your practice. Have you ever done that? Brethren, I would venture to say that if, if you said yes, then you'd be like everyone else. You try to serve the Lord, but you serve him with all your imperfections. You're not perfect. That's why you needed Jesus to begin with. He is the one who perfected you. Now, let's get back to the original question at the very end, because I believe this is so important to answer that question in Matthew 5, verse 48. I believe Jesus meant, when he says, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, that He is the standard of righteousness. And that should be our standard. Our standard is righteousness. Based upon the truth that He, who is the creator of it, who is the essence of it, becomes a part of our lives. That we walk with Him. That we live according to His good pleasure. That we do everything that would bring glory to His name. Well, notice First Peter 1 and that will give us this point. We're going to finish up from here. In 1 Peter chapter 1, very similar to Colossians 1, I know we didn't look at Colossians 1, but 1 Peter chapter 1, here's what he says beginning in verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. You know what that means, right? Here is God. He's way up there. And here we are, down with this world. He is separated from us. He is holy. His righteousness, His truth makes Him holy. But what happens when we've been brought by the blood of Jesus Christ near to our Father is that we walk according to His holiness. We don't do it perfectly, but we try. We agree that His word is true. We agree that His standard is ours. We try our very best to walk according to that standard because we love Him. We want to glorify Him. And guess what happens? We rest fully on that hope of that promise that when Jesus died for our sins, it was not for this questionable relationship with Him on a daily basis. It was one that we can look back. When we look at our lives and we're nearing the end, we can say, just like He did, with every bit of assurance that He had, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. And I did it by way of faith. I believe that I tried to serve the Lord. I tried to give myself to Him. You know, there are times when I look back in my life, man, I messed up. I wasn't the kind of father I needed to be. I wasn't the kind of husband I needed to be at times. But that wasn't my lifestyle. That was just I messed up from time to time. And maybe some of us, we mess up a whole lot more time to time than others. But my hope is in the Lord. My assurance is in His saving blood. Not on whether I did enough. So that when the question is posed to me, are you going to be with your Father in heaven? You can say yes. Why? Because we love like our Father loved us. I look at those souls of my brothers and my sisters in Christ and look at those souls who are outside the body of Christ and just like my God who loved His enemies and died for His enemies, I love mine as well. That's being perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. What that means is you're mature, you're complete in and through Jesus Christ. And that that standard that He has belongs to you. That's what that means. And so we'll do things just like our God, because that's our standard. He is our standard. As He is perfect, that's why I'm going to live my life. I'm going to live it like His standard. Now, some of you are going to say, or might say, but Mitch, it didn't say His standard what do you suppose that that phrase is at the very end of all from verse 20 following? You have heard that it was said. After he said, you shall be um, more righteous than the Pharisees. Were those who are noted, not that they did so all the time because they're not perfect, but those who are noted for keepers of the law, for being such. So we're going to do things differently than the Pharisees who hated their enemies. We're going to love ours. We'll pray for our enemies. Because we want them saved the way Jesus wanted us when we were enemies saved. And in this way we walk perfectly. We walk with pure righteousness. Because we walk in Him. Because we abide in our God. Now, as we finish then, I want you to ask yourself that question again. From a standpoint that if you're walking in the light, and I hope you know what it means to walk in the light. If you're walking in the light, that is, you're doing the will of God by faith. Just Tom was mentioning in our prayer this morning that we can learn more by way of faith. And faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We know that. If we know God's Word and we know to do that which is right, and we're doing it, are we walking by faith? Yes. Do you walk by faith imperfectly? Yes, you do. Every one of us but you walk by faith. If you do, you have assurance of that salvation. You can rest assured that if you were to die right now, I would tell you right now, not because I'm a prophet, not because I have divine revelation, but because I have the divine truth that has been revealed. Yes, you deal with God in heaven. Brethren, that's confidence, not in ourselves, not in our perfection, because we know that's not the case. Our confidence is by the fact that we are perfected through Jesus. And you can know that when you die, you die in the Lord. When you deny Him, you deny His Word, you fall away from Him. When you don't walk with Him according to the truth of His Word, you fall away. But when you accept Him as a Savior, when you accept His Word as the truth, and you apply yourself to that Word, you walk with the blood Jesus cleanses all sins.